You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. And good morning, everybody, and welcome in to the Gary Harris Show for this Wednesday, December 27, 2023. I'm Gary Harris. Justin Jones, right there in the control room. He's uh, doing all the heavy lifting this morning, taking your phone calls. And the first and main condominium is our uh, uh, hotline this hour, and the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline in hour number two, 205-342-9904. 205-342-9904 is that number. Got a good show on tap for you this morning. I'm going to run it down here in just a minute. First, though, I need to tell you, as always, this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It really is just a better way of banking. I encourage you to do like I've done and become a member of the Alabama Credit Union. You really just can't beat it. As I said, member-owned and not-for-profit, it's just a different way of banking. Find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com, Alabama Credit Union Loans Real Life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. If you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And pull extra change in your pocket. All right, guest free in the first hour. What does that mean? Well, it means we've got a lot of opportunity for phone calls on the First Domain Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. And, of course, we're going to talk a ton of Alabama football as the Crimson Tide arrived in Los Angeles yesterday afternoon. They flew out of Tuscaloosa yesterday morning. Three jets is what it took for the traveling party. Because for this game, you have you don't just have the players and the coaches and the support staff. You have a lot of other people that make up the travel party. So three jets needed to uh, make it out to Los Angeles. And uh, we're going to be discussing that game. Then in the second hour, we'll go to L.A. twice. Johnny Congdon, sports reporter anchor for ABC 3340 in Birmingham. He's uh, in L.A. He'll join us at 10 a.m. He got in yesterday evening. He'll talk to us about uh, uh, everything from the media hotel set up to just the response to the game being there uh, as far as the college football playoff semifinal in the Rose Bowl. And uh, we'll get his uh, take on what's happening in a minute at 1030. Back to L.A. for Nick Kelly, Alabama beat writer for the Tuscaloosa News. Uh, and we'll visit with him and get their perspectives, not just on the game, but on uh, what's going on out there in L.A. Of course, obviously, the Rose Bowl is a tradition in Southern California, but this year being tied in with the college football playoff and having Alabama in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena for the first time since 1946. Now, I know Alabama played in the BCS National Championship game at the Rose Bowl in 2010, but that was not the Rose Bowl game. And then the Rose Bowl game from a couple years back, Alabama played in, but it was out in Dallas out in Arlington, Texas, because of the fact that uh, they had the COVID and and all of that stuff. So Alabama has not played in the Rose Bowl game at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena since 1946. So it'll be a unique uh, perspective for uh, the game this year. We'll uh, We'll get to Johnny Congdon and Nick Kelly in the second hour. As I said, the first domain condominium hotline is ready for business at 205-342-9904. We're going to take a call in just a moment. First, though, let me welcome in Justin Jones, who is uh, producing the program. I'm not in studio today, uh, but Justin's holding down the fort and just got through with Wimp and Barry inside the locker room and 
Dustin, we're through Christmas now. We've, of course, got New Year's Eve coming up on Sunday and New Year's Day on, on Monday. But the focus, I think, for all the folks that uh, are Alabama fans, the new year will be more focused on that game than actually bringing in the new year. They want to bring it in with a, with a win out there with the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, exactly right. We're, we're hoping that we start the year off right with an Alabama win. And as we get closer and closer, I think the excitement, especially for me, just continues to grow and grow. So I'm ready to, to watch some Alabama football, and I think it's going to be a very close game. Yeah, I do too. I, uh, I made my prediction last night on Tider Insider TV with Rodney Horse. I don't mind telling you what I predicted since I've already made it on the air. Um, I went 31-21 Alabama, but don't be fooled just because I've got it as a 10-point you know, number, uh, I think it's a very close game with two. I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, I envision this thing, um, going right down to the wire. I think that it's, you know, it's a three point game and Alabama gets the football. And I think Jalen Milrow puts together one of those great drives where Alabama is able to, to drive the football down and then, uh, score late to kind of secure the victory and, and, and get out of there with the win and get to, uh, and get to Houston for the national championship game against either Texas or Washington. But, but I think it's going to be a very, very close game. I, I think you can have a 10 point spread at the end and still be very, very close. All right, let's start our phone calls and uh, let's lead it off with Pat. And then we'll get to Corey and uh, on the first and main condominiums hotline. Good morning, Pat. Hey, Pat, you with me? Hopefully, uh, what do you think? Yeah, say that to me again. You broke up on me just a little bit. Give it to me. Give it to me one more time, Pat. I didn't catch all that. Oh, okay. I just said Merry Christmas. I'm a belated Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year. And hopefully you're going to watch Alabama beat Michigan down like a stepchild. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be a really competitive game, Pat. I think that... Uh, you know, we, we broke it down on Tyler and Sider last night. The one thing about Michigan that I will say is they're not going to beat themselves, in my opinion. In other words, you have to go out there and earn it. Um, they're really sound. They're really fundamentally uh, sound. They don't turn the ball over a lot. They force turnovers. Uh, defensively, their numbers are outstanding across the board, whether it be total defense, points allowed. You know, they're not even averaging giving up 10 points a game. Um, they've been really, really good. Um, kicking game is solid. Offensively, Blake Corum is one of the best red zone running backs in the country. He gets downhill, even though he's not the biggest guy. When they get inside the 10-yard line, man, he punches it in the end zone. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about J.J. McCarthy being a little bit up and down, but he's a good athlete now. And he can, uh, you know, watch him, go back and watch him last year in that, in that loss to TCU in the, in the college football playoffs semifinal. Man, he used his legs to really make some big plays in the game. So I think Alabama is going to win the game, Pat, but I think they're going to have to earn it. I, I don't think Texas is going, to, is going to give them anything cheap. You know, they're an experienced team. This is their third straight year in the college football playoff semifinal. I think they feel like it's, it's, time, it's their time. I think they'll be ready to play, and I think Alabama will have to go out and take this game. Well, my question is, has Michigan had the seen the speed at edge rushers that we have, nor nor have they seen uh, a quarterback like Milrow that question spy, not to spy. If you don't spy, you're in trouble. I agree on both counts. 
I mean, I agree with you. I don't think they've seen edge rushers like Braswell and and, uh, and Turner. And I think Alabama needs to get off the edge and pressure McCarthy and and you know make make it tough on him. But also, you got to stand up against the run because they want to run the football. Uh, on the other side, I'm with you 100 percent on Milrow. Now, I think they've got a, they've got a backup quarterback who's a big talented athlete, but he's not Jalen Milrow. And and Milrow's combination. I was on a show. Uh, with Mark Rogers yesterday, a YouTube show, and, and we were talking about Milrow, and I said, you know, you really can't appreciate him until you see him in person uh, because he's big, he's physical, but he's not bulky. You know, I, I keep saying he's built kind of like a 100-meter sprinter. You know, he's muscular, but he's streamlined, and he is so fast, and he's so powerful, and he's so quick. You know, his ability to stop and start and cut um, yeah, he, he's he's a problem. So I agree with you on that. I don't think they've seen a quarterback like Jalen Milrow, and I think he's the X factor in the game, and he's the major reason I got Alabama winning the game 31-21. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout, Pat. I, I think that it's going to be a close, competitive game into the fourth quarter. That's just my opinion. <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. That, uh... But I do want to ask you a recruiting question before I go out of the portal. Okay. Uh, I'm hearing uh, Amani Jackson to Alabama. Uh, Amani had, had quite the breakout freshman year campaign that he uh, was projected to have. and But he's been playing on a really bad defense in Southern California. And if they can get him to Tuscaloosa and – Coach Saban elects to stay with us, which is what I project, that uh, uh, Armani Jackson under uh, our strength and conditioning program and under the tutelage of Coach Saban is going to turn into uh, the defensive back that we need to replace Kool-Aid. Well, he's a very talented player. I agree with you 100% there. Armani Jackson is very talented. I had not heard that he was leaning toward Alabama, so you kind of gave me a little update there, but I, I agree with you. He's really talented. I think he gets in here with Nick Saban and uh, T-Rob that he will flourish in that back end in the secondary for Alabama. So I think he would be a nice pickup. So I'll, I'll keep my eye on that for sure, uh, Pat. I did not, uh, you know, I had not heard that he was leaning toward Alabama. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing more and more about it every day. My uh, Red Elephant Club buddies have been uh, okay. talking about it quite a bit. Anyway, hey, have a blessed, happy new year, Gary. And then, uh, hey, and I like that score 31 21 somewhere along in there, that uh, 10 point difference. That, uh, man, that would be uh, a fantastic get down. Maybe we might even get a little respect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Good phone call. All right, it's 9 13. Corey, you hold tight, my friend. Because when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to jump right in with you and give you all the team time that you need. So we don't want to short you. So we're going to get to this first time out, and then we'll come back and we'll get to Corey on the uh, First Domain Condominiums hotline. And you're welcome to call in as well, 205-342-9904. Hey, a reminder, the YMCA of Tuscaloosa is there and waiting for you whenever you're ready, and hopefully you're ready right now. I know many of you, we talked about it uh, working out during football season, but it's hard. As I said yesterday, I haven't worked out now in like a month. I have taken a break and I've just had so much going on and, and, you know, dealing with, you know, my mom's health issues. And I just didn't, uh, you know, I just didn't have the mindset to get in there and work out. But when I get back in there, I promise you it's going to be at the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. What a beautiful modern facility with all the best equipment, including brand new cardio equipment that is state of the art. Uh, 2313 Street, Jeff Knox, the CEO and the entire staff, 
professional, courteous. It's a great community of people. The YMCA of Tuscaloosa. Find out more at the YMCA Tuscaloosa uh, dot org or also uh, give them a call 205-345-9622. We'll be back with more phone calls here on this Wednesday edition of the Gary Harris Show on Time 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your is evolved. It will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. Your best. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Las Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Las Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Las Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Partly sunny after some passing fog today. Chance for light shower overnight today to high near 56. Tonight, mostly cloudy with an overnight low near 31. And for your Thursday, a sunny start. The clouds thicken during the day. It'll be colder with a high of 42. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 39 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of The Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 917, welcome back into The Gary Harris Show. We're here on Tide 100.9 FM, 430 AM WTBC. First of May Condominium is hotline, ready for business at 205-342-9904. And that's where we find our good friend Corey at this morning, ready to go. Good morning, Corey. Good, good morning, Gary. How are you doing this morning? Doing well. How are things in Trustville? We're good. Um, hey, what did you think of that shirt I picture I sent, I sent you? What did you send me now? The, the Cardi at Corey shirt. Oh, yeah. Love that, dude. Very, very, very cool, man. It was How did you Christmas. come up with that? Oh, it was a Christmas present my uncle got me. It was customized. Yes, sir. It sure is. It's beautiful. It's neat, man. I loved it. Yeah, thank you for for uh, letting me see that on on Twitter. Yep, absolutely. Um, as far as this uh, Rose Bowl goes, um, I, I I look at it like this: um, you got to stop the run because you can't let Blake Corum get three, four, five yards a carry. Right. And then defensively, I mean, offensively, just don't turn the ball over. Don't, don't give them short fields. I mean, because they're going to want to slow the game down and make keep our offense on the sideline and uh, ugly the game up. And if we can play with the lead, 
I don't think they can come back, in my opinion. They want to play with the lead and make us be frustrated and kind of, kind of like a triple option team where, where the more they score, the harder it is for us to come back because they, they want to grind the clock out. I don't disagree with that. I think you're probably on to something. They're a lot better team. Let me be clear on that. So I'm not comparing them in terms of the quality of their team. They're a much better team than Auburn. But I do think that that's kind of the way they want to play. I agree with you. I think they want to they want to be out front, or you know, or, or, or you know, or within a, a score or so. I, I don't think that they want to get behind. Of course, who does want to get behind by a couple of touchdowns? So, but you know what I mean. You're right. I think they want to stay in character. They want to stay true to their identity, and to do that, they need to either be in the lead or they need to be within you know a touchdown or so, and then they can play the way they want to play. Alabama gets up on them and gets them, let's say gets them down, you know, 13 points or so, then they might have to play a little bit differently. And I don't know that they want to do that. So uh, you're right. I think they want to control. They want to control the game with their run game. Uh, They want to have possession drives where they finish in points with points, and they want to shorten the game in terms of the number of possessions that Alabama is able to get. So uh, if they can do that, they're able to run the ball and then play action off of that. And, uh, you know, sustain drives and get points, they're going to be hard to beat now. I mean, that's been a formula for success for them the entire year. So uh, for Alabama, I think the challenge is uh, to start fast in the game. And, uh, you know, they started fast in the Iron Bowl. You know, it's easy to forget. Their first drive, Alabama went right down the field and scored. And then their second drive, you know, they scored. And it got called back on a hold. And then the short punt, and Auburn scored, and that changed the game. You know, you can't convince me that if Alabama – if Alabama goes up 14 nothing early in that Iron Bowl, I think it gets away from Auburn. I think that winds up being a, one, a one-sided game. But, uh, you know, Alabama's had a knack this year for having touchdowns called back. We know they've had, I think, like seven or eight of them uh, called back. So but if Alabama can start fast and get on top and make Michigan feel like, oh, boy, we've got the score, uh, I think Alabama could have a chance to, to, um, to open this thing up some. But I, I think Michigan is so good at what they do and how they do it. They have an identity. And they play to it. As I said earlier, Corey, I think it's going to be a really, really competitive game. Did you catch the Kansas UNLV, UNLV game last night? Caught some of it, yeah. It was on. And then when I got home, I flipped it on. And, and uh, the thing I kept noticing, it seemed like they were having a little pushing and shoving. And, and just about after every every play, and there were a lot of personal fouls in the game. But that Kansas quarterback lit it up. Did anybody throw six touchdown passes? Yeah, he had six touchdown passes, but here's the thing. Kansas had over 200 yards of penalties. I mean, just... Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It was just, it was crazy with all of the personal fouls and uh, really chippy game back and forth. Yeah, you know, I I noticed that. But it was nuts, and they still scored, I think, what was it, 49 points? Well, the funny thing is, Kansas wasn't known for being a heavily penalized team. I think it said they were like 43 yards a game in penalties, and they like tripled it. Yeah, well, I saw Lance Leopold, their coach, on the sideline just wearing the officials out. And I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes that works against you. Um, You know, a little bit in their ear, I think, maybe gets their attention. But if you just stay on them, I I thought, you know, I thought that's happened to Kansas City Chiefs a little bit against the Raiders. Because, you know, the Chiefs had had pitched a fit uh, about the, you know, the call on Tony for being lined up offside. cost them a touchdown and a chance to win a game and they went public with their criticism of the officials both Mahomes and uh, Andy Reid 
And against the Raiders, I thought they did not get the, the benefit of the doubt when it came to officiating. So sometimes you, uh, um, sometimes you can, you can wear, you can ride those officials too much and they're like, man, I've had enough. So we will, um, we'll see. Yeah, um, the, the the bowl games today, um, I think the couple I'm looking forward to is the Holiday Bowl with USC and uh, uh, Louisville and then uh, Tulane and Virginia Tech. And the, the, the thing, I, I, this is where the opt-outs come to play is, now I'm, I'm not surprised Caleb Williams is not playing, no, but that's what makes the bowl games not fun to watch is when you have the, the, the big the big time players not playing and I understand why they're not playing because they're trying to protect themselves for the draft, but you want to see the good players play one more. Well, I don't understand why they're not playing. I, I, I did I, you know, I don't. I don't I don't get it. All this about what we got you know, you played all year. Um, you know, a lot of these guys that aren't playing the bowl games will play in the senior bowl. Uh last year, uh Bryce Young played and Will Anderson played and Jameer Gibbs played. And they all first round picks, and and they're doing fine. So I'm with you. I wish they would play. Um, and uh, I definitely um, think it adds to the bowl games. And you know, you look at that Orange Bowl with Georgia and, and Florida State. I think Florida State's already had 19 players opt out, either for opting out or going into the portal or, or whatever the reasons are going to be. And I know they're disappointed they're not in the playoff. I get that, but um, but I think that that speaks to. Uh, oh, you know, something in the program, something that those guys didn't want to see it through. Once they didn't get in the playoff, it's almost, you know, they just said, well, we're going to quit. And uh, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it at all. I'm with you, Corey. I, you know, I, I think you play football. Uh, if you're a football player, you play football. That's what you do. And that's how you add value to, um, to yourself. And I, you know, like with Talia Tagovailoa from Maryland, uh, you know, I, I, he should play in that game. You know, he was a quarterback all season long for that team. And now they get in a big bowl game, and I do call it a big bowl game. When you got when you got Big Ten versus the SEC, to me that's a big bowl game. And you know he's not going to play. You know it's yeah, it's very disappointing. I I I, I hate this mentality of I'm not going to play in the bowl game. I'll play through the whole season, but then I'm not going to play in the bowl game. I don't care for it at all. Well, you know, Bowers is not playing either. Well, I, I did. Is that official? I uh, he didn't travel with the team. I um I know he's not down there right now, but I haven't heard that he wasn't going to play. So I'm going to wait and see if there's something uh, official on that. I mean, it sounds like if he's not there that he he wouldn't. But you know, maybe all I saw was that he wasn't. You know, he didn't accompany the team on the trip. So, but um, well, I don't. Well, okay, let me ask you this: Is it different if you've gone through an injury like what he did, and you don't want to risk getting injured again like that, or do you think you should still play anyway? Well, I don't know if he's hurt. I don't, that's different. That's a different deal. And, you know, he sucked it up and came back earlier than they thought he would. So if he doesn't play and it's because he's nursing an injury, I've got no issue with that. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a different deal. But again, I haven't heard anything official on, um, on Bowers other than he, and I think Mims, the offensive lineman, uh, didn't make the trip. So they're probably not going to play, but I, I'll wait for, until I hear something official, but yeah, now injury is a different deal. If you're hurt, uh, I don't blame you for not playing. And I think Brock Bowers has proven he's a team-first guy. So uh, if he doesn't play, I think there's a good reason for it. Are there any, are there any games before our game that still interest you? Oh, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, starting tonight, you know, I, I'm interested in the uh, Tax Act Texas Bowl just because that's the first game, I think, with, a, with an SEC team, uh, Texas A&M and Oklahoma State. Those are, you know, old Big 12 rivals. Um, you know, there's a lot of pride that these conferences have in playing against the SEC. So I think that's a, that's a game tonight that I'm interested in. Uh, for one, all of the, all of the SEC bowl games, I'm going to be, I'm going to be interested in because I always want to see how the, the SEC is going to hold up. You know, coming up on Friday, the Tax Player Gator Bowl with Clemson and Kentucky. That's one I'm very interested in, or you probably will be too. You know, Dabo and the Tigers taking on uh, the SEC. Uh, so that's a game that I'll watch outside the SEC. Uh, Oregon State and Notre Dame. I think it's going to be a really good game. That's also on Friday, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. I've, I've been to the Sun Bowl uh, a couple of times. I love I love El Paso, Texas. I think it's a unique setting for college football. So that's a game. There's a lot of good games coming up, man. I mean, the Cotton Bowl. My gosh, Missouri and Ohio State. What a game that ought to be. You know, uh, and these are all games that are coming up on Friday. So I love the bowl games. You mentioned Florida State and I uh, mentioned Georgia and Florida State and the Capital One Orange Bowl on Saturday. I want to see how many guys for Florida State, you know, play and, and whether or not they can be competitive. So, yeah, there's a lot of games I'm interested in. Iowa, Tennessee, uh, you know, so, yeah, yeah, a lot, of these, a lot of these bowl games catch my attention. Do you have a feeling of how good the SEC might do in bowl games? Like, like, or maybe, maybe I guess, I guess you could say record wise. Well, what is it? Nine, nine games. Yeah. I think they've got, they've got nine games. I think the SEC will have a winning record. How about that? And listen, I, uh, I had not even thought about picking the the point spreads for the SEC bowl games, but I did it all year. And then Chuck, one of our good listeners, texted me this morning and asked if I was going to pick the bowl games. And I said I hadn't planned on it, but I said if you get me the lines, then I will. So uh, he has sent me the lines for all the SEC bowl games, and I will pick them uh, here before this hour is up. I'll go ahead and pick them. I don't mind doing it at all. So, um, But I think the SEC will have a winning record. I don't know that they'll – you know, again, I'll pick them against a point spread here coming up before the end of the first hour. But just off the top of my head – um, there's some tough matchups here now. I will tell you that. There's some tough matchups. Um, another game, you know, now I'm looking at the lines that Chuck sent me. How about Ole Miss and Penn State? What a game that ought to be. So, yeah, uh, there's, you know, I say the SEC is going to have a winning record, but it's going to be tough now because, my gosh, like I said, there's there's some there are some, some tough matchups, big-time matchups for the SEC here, but I think they'll manage to win more than they lose. Yeah, I – the, the two games I'm looking forward to outside of our our game is the the Cotton Bowl and uh, Ole Miss and uh, Penn State because Ole Miss has never had an 11 win season and uh, I think they gave Lane Kiffin a contract extension if I'm not mistaken and uh, the, the, I think that would if if if, if you, I don't know if you've seen this Ole Miss next year could potentially have a 10 win season based off their schedule because they avoid Alabama and uh, in the rotation. So if they win this bowl game, it could set up real success next year for them. It could. It really could. Hey, Corey, I got to get to the break, man. Great phone call as always, pal. Good talk to you here all the time. Thank you, Corey. All right, it's 931 here on the Gary Harris Show. This hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. We'll take a break, and uh, I will do the bowl, uh, SEC point spread predictions for the bowl game. Why not? Chuck sent me the updated line, so uh, – 
Uh, your phone calls are still welcome at 205-342-9904. When we come back, I'll do my point spread predictions. How about that? Just off the cuff. That's kind of the way I do it anyway. We'll, uh, we'll run them down game by game, and uh, I'll make my picks next right here on the Gary Harris Show. The two winningest programs in college football history collide. Shayna, look, he's got the wide open 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. It's Saban versus Harbaugh. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 this Monday on your home for Alabama football. Flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 935. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WPBC. Got my main man, Justin Jones. Justin Jones right there in the control room, man of the controls and taking your phone calls on the First and Main Condominiums hotline, and that is where we find Lewis this morning. Good morning, Lewis. Morning, Gary. Enjoy the show, as, as always. I'm, I'm glad you're here this week. It's, uh, it's tough getting back so quick after Christmas, but we've got a lot to look forward to. So I've got a question, Gary, but I'd just like to say I, this is the first year that I, I'm, I'm very uninterested in these ball games. I wanted to see Daniel play for LSU. Uh, Lou was not playing for Maryland. I, you know, I just, I'm sorry. I just, till we get to the playoffs, I've never been so disinterested, but that's just me. Here's my question, Gary, and I'm going to hang up and listen. Are the playoff games next year, the 12 teams uh, in the playoffs, is that going to be connected to bowls or is it just going to be playoff games and you still have all the bowls? I, I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to break down and i'll hang up gary hope you have a good rest of your week thank you lewis yeah uh just to see if you can find some info on exactly how it's going to work next year if they're going to you know if they're going to run them through the bowls i i i I know that you know some of the games are going to be on campus so that's going to be you know that's going to be different um and i know you're going to obviously have some teams with buys you know your top four teams are going to have buys which i'm not a fan of that to be honest with you i I think that everybody should have to play the same amount of games, you know, if you get to the playoff. So I'm not a huge fan of that. Like I said, I was I was more in favor of an eight team playoff where you just go eight, four, you know, two two in the winter. Or or I'd rather do sixteen like they do in, you know, um the lower classifications where you just do sixteen, eight, four, two in a winter. I, I'm not a fan of some teams having buys. To me, yeah. if you get in the playoff, you gotta did you say you're not in favor of that either, Justin? Sorry, no, I think I am in favor of it. Um, oh, you like having the buy? I think I do. I think I like having the buy. Yeah, I don't. Because to me, if you if you get in the playoff, if you get in the playoff, you got to have the same opportunity. I understand being a higher seed. I get that. If you're the one seed and you play um, the eighth seed, maybe it should be your home game or whatever. But I don't like almost having you know again because it's going to be based on a a committee and, and, you know, who's to say that um, the team that is at number four that gets a bye is better than the team that is at number six that has to play. So I don't know, but what did you find out on, on how it's going to work with, uh, are they going to use bowl games uh, the way they do now for this playoff? 
Yeah, so for the first rounds of the playoff, like you said, Gary, they're going to be home games, essentially. They're going to be That's on right. campus for these teams. The bowl games will be introduced into the quarterfinals of the playoff. And so once we get so to— So once they get to eight, the first, the first round games will be campus games. Uh, and then once they get into the quarterfinals, they go bowl games. Exactly. Yes, sir. Neutral sites. Okay. So in other words, you've got 12 teams. So you'll have four teams that get buys. You'll have eight teams that play four games, and those four games will all be on campus with the higher seed hosting, correct? I believe, yeah, with the higher seed yeah. hosting, yep. Yeah, and then you get down to eight teams, and then you go one versus eight, or one versus, you know, however it recedes, I guess, if you because if you have a 12 seed win, technically they would be a 12 seed, but they would play the lowest ranked, team would play the number one team and, and so forth and those would be bowl games and then you continue all the way through until you have um, you know the national championship game so yeah so it'll be um, so yeah Lewis to answer your question bowl games will be will be used and I knew that they would be but I wanted to get the exact uh, the exact way so Justin has has pulled it up and on-campus games in the first round, and then bowl games from there on out until the national championship game, which I think is in Las Vegas next year. Right, Justin? Off the top of my head, I don't know. Let me look it up. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think Las Vegas is hosting the national championship game next year. Check on that, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Houston this year and Las Vegas next year, which will be wild. <laughs> you know, what? first of all, that stadium is incredible, and then to have, have – uh, Vegas hosting the national championship. We've double checked on that, but I'm pretty sure because, you know, they've, they've, they've brought these new cities into it. But I think the national championship game next year, the CFP national championship game, will be in Las Vegas. So um, there we go. Hey, I'm going to go ahead, if we don't have a phone call, and get to my <clears throat> point spread predictions for the SEC bowl games. And again, the, as Lewis alluded to, these are even tougher now because, again, so many players aren't playing and it changes everything, but Chuck has provided me with the updated lines, and so um, we'll just uh, we'll just run them through. Real quick, and, Gary, um, uh, before you jump to that, yeah. it actually looks like the college football playoff national championship next year uh, in twenty twenty five will be Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Oh, it's in Atlanta next year. Okay, well, I got some bad information. Yeah, Las Vegas is in the rotation, aren't they? I, thought, I was thinking that they were. I think Maybe they I'm, are. I'm seeing the year after that, it's going to be Miami again. Um, okay. I'm so sure. Atlanta I'll, next I'll keep year. looking into it. Okay. Well, no, you might be right. I, I could have gotten some bad information. <laughs> that won't be the first time that's happened. Because I usually focus one year at a time. And this year we know it's in Houston. And Alabama's trying to get there. Yeah, while you're looking at that, Justin, I'm going to go ahead and do my picks. And, hey, uh, Justin, since I'm not in studio, um, Make a note on who I take in these games. And, Chuck, if you're listening, you do the same. Because right now I'm not in a position where I can um, I can write anything down. So just go ahead and, and uh, y'all make a note on who I take, and then we'll keep we'll keep up with it. And of course, I'll have it on, on it. the radio. It'll be, it'll be, huh? You got it. I'll keep a note. Okay, good deal. All right, here. Let's start out with tonight. Um, A&M with, you know, a situation where they don't have – you know, they're in transition with Mike Elko coming in, Jimbo Fisher out. They're playing a longtime rival, Oklahoma State. The Aggies are catching three. But 
I think Oklahoma State is a lot more stable in this game with Mike Gundy um, as their coach, and and you know, I, I you know, A and M's got so many players in the portal, and I think they'll play hard. But I got to go as much as I'd like to take the SEC here. I got to go Oklahoma State and lay the three. I, I just think Oklahoma State is in a better situation than Texas A and M in this game. So I'm going to take Oklahoma State and lay the three against A&M. Clemson and Kentucky. Clemson is laying five against the Wildcats, and uh, I'm going to take Kentucky here. I'm going to take the points in this one. I think that uh, Kentucky's had a, you know, a, a little bit of an up-and-down year. They started fast, and they hit a lull, but they finished with that win over Louisville. and. Um, I think in this case, this could be a field goal game. And so if that's the case, it's a field goal game, I'm going to take the points. So I'm going to take Kentucky plus the five. Boy, this ought to be a heck of a game with Ohio State and and Missouri. I mean, Ohio State is laying two uh, against Mizzou. And I, I think this could be a heck of a football game. Boy, Missouri has had a great year um, for this Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. And by the way, Clemson and Kentucky was the tax player Gator Bowl. I'm trying to give the bowl games the name of the bowl games as well. But um, I go, I've gone back and forth just looking at this line over and over. You know, my instinct just wants to say take Ohio State because it's Ohio State, right? I mean, it's a blue blood against Mizzou. But I'm telling you something. This Missouri team, they've been impressive. And, and I think they're going to be so hungry to play in this game. I think it's a huge deal for Mizzou. For Ohio State, I think it's more of a, a disappointment. I think with Ohio State, I think it's like we want to be in the playoff. We're not, you know, obviously they lost their quarterback to the portal. So I'm going to take Missouri here for you guys tracking it. I'm taking Missouri plus the two. I tell you this, I, Penn State laying four uh, against Ole Miss. And I like that Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. I think it's one of the better run bowls. It's in Atlanta. I, I tell you, I, I don't see Penn State being favored here. I just don't. I, I think the I think the wrong team is favored. I think I think Ole Miss out wins this game outright. Wins it outright. So I'm taking the four points all day here. I like Ole Miss plus the four against against Penn State. Auburn laying seven against Maryland in the Music City Bowl. If Talia Tagovailoa were playing, I would take I would take the points in a heartbeat. I think his absence for Maryland does skew them a little bit, but I don't know that Auburn needs to be laying seven points. I think that that line's a little steep. I can see this game coming right down to the end, so I'm going to take. Maryland plus the points here. I'm taking Maryland plus the seven against Auburn. Uh, When you get to that Orange Bowl game with Georgia and Florida State, Georgia's laying 17, and we know why. Uh, Because Florida State isn't the same team that they were during the season. With, I think, 19 guys now that aren't going to play. So, And, you know, Georgia may not have Bowers. It may not have Mims. But it's still got a talented roster, 
They still have Carson Beck at quarterback. That's a lot of points, but I think Georgia routes Florida State. I really do. So I'm going to take Georgia minus the 17. How about that? LSU with the backup quarterback with Jalen Daniels opting out. Jalen Daniels out of the game. Get ready for the draft. But um, oh, Justin, help me out here. The, the backup quarterback for the uh, for LSU, the kid that you know, his dad used to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama one time. Help me out here. Oh, it starts with an M. Nussmeyer. Nussmeyer. Doug, uh, Doug Nussmeyer's kid. Yeah, Nussmeyer is the uh, backup quarterback for LSU. He's pretty good. Um, Wisconsin is not great, but I think ten points here is a little steep. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the points. I'm gonna take whiskey plus the points plus the ten. Tennessee lane eight against Iowa, and we know the problem with Iowa. They can't score any points. <laughs> you know, we just know. You know, their offense is just uh, brutally bad. This is the Cheese at Citrus Bowl, by the way. Wisconsin and LSU are playing in the Re- ReliQuest Bowl. In Tampa, the Cheese at Citrus Bowl in Orlando. I just think that Iowa's defense is is one of the best defenses in the country. And I know I'm looking at the points here a lot, but again, Tennessee's laying eight. I think that's too many. So I'm going to take Iowa plus the eight. And then in the Rose Bowl, I've already told you I'm picking Alabama to win the game. So if I'm picking Alabama to win the game, then obviously I'm going to take the uh, the point, uh, the Alabama plus the one, because I'm picking them to win it outright. And so I've got Bama, and uh, the rest of the games I've got I've got Oklahoma State minus the three, Kentucky plus the five, Missouri plus the two, Ole Miss plus the four, Maryland plus the seven, Georgia minus the seventeen, Wisconsin plus the ten, Iowa plus the eight. And Bama plus the one. Those are my SEC bowl game picks. And I can probably remember them, but since y'all made uh, notation of them, we don't have to remember them because you got Chuck, you got them down, and so do you, Justin. So there we go. Again, my SEC bowl game picks Oklahoma State minus the three, Kentucky plus the five, Missouri plus the two, Ole Miss plus the four, Maryland plus the seven, Georgia minus 17, Wisconsin plus the 10. Iowa plus the eight, and Bama plus the one. There you go. All right. It is uh, 949. In the second hour, we've got guests coming up from Los Angeles, both Johnny Congdon and Nick Kelly. But in the next segment, we're still wide open for phone calls on the First and Main Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. This is the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. We'll be right back. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. Join the Martin Houston Show for a Thursday edition of the program. It's the Martin Houston Show, powered by Max Sports. We'll have a true-false. We'll also look at Alabama and what they're going to be doing and focusing on in the next couple of days as they prepare to take down the Michigan Wolverines. It's two Blue Bloods. Which one will be headed to play Washington or Texas? We'll talk about it right here on your home for Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9 and 1230 AM WTBC. 
Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Currently sunny after some patchy fog today. Chance for light shower overnight today to high near 56. Tonight, mostly cloudy with an overnight low near 31. And for your Thursday, a sunny start with clouds thickened during the day. It'll be colder with a high of 40. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 39 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Nine fifty-two. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show right here on Top 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WCBC. In the last segment, I did my uh, SEC points for predictions for the bowl games. And, um, Tough ones. Really a lot of tough games again because the bowl games are so skewed because of, you know, opt-outs and all the things that are going on. And it, make it, it makes it really, really tough not only to pick them, but I think also even for the odds makers, as good as they are, I think it makes it tough on them probably to set some of these lines. Because, again, there's so many, there's so many unknown factors and so many things that you have to uh, kind of uh, deal with when you're, when you're setting these point spreads. So some of these lines probably will wind up being pretty out of whack unlike the regular season when very rarely do they miss one. But I, I bet you some of these lines uh, get missed. Hey, Justin, were you able to find out if, if I'm if – maybe I just had a dream and made this up. Uh, is Las Vegas in that, in that national championship game rotation? The, uh, the only two I'm seeing so far is uh, we're going to be in Houston this year and Atlanta next year. So. Huh, okay. I, I... And well, and then after Atlanta, it's going to be in Miami. Okay, I don't know where I got that. Uh, I must have dreamed it, or somebody gave me some bad information or something, because I thought for sure that National that uh, Las Vegas was in in the rotation. I'm trying to pull it up here on my phone. Um, hmm, okay. Um, Yeah, here it is. This is this is what happened. There was a report that uh, Allegiant Stadium would host the 2025 game, and that must have been where somebody had given me the information. Uh, but they will have to wait until at least 2027. So that's that's what it was. There there had been a report that had come out that Las Vegas was going to host next year in 2025. But that um, that did not happen, and now it looks like they would host it 2027, the earliest. But they are trying to get into the mix, and I think that'd be I think that'd be a great place for a national championship game, Justin. Know you? I think it would be. I think you'd have to keep a close eye on a lot of these players. <laughs> yeah, you probably would. All right, so we're winding it down for this first hour, and as I said, we are going to uh, go out to Los Angeles not once but twice in hour number two with Johnny Cogden to start off the second hour, and then also Nick Kelly from the Tuscaloosa News at 1030. Uh, normally, I like to have Bart Heights on hoops scheduled uh, for Wednesdays, but uh, because of just a lot of stuff going on with, with the holiday and, as I said, with my mom, uh, her, her, her health issues, 
and uh, me not being in studio today. Uh, we're going to get Bart on either tomorrow. If we can't get him on tomorrow, then we'll you know we'll get him back on next week. But we will have uh, a couple of trips to Los Angeles coming up in the second hour. This hour, the Gary Harris Show has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Member owned and not for profit. It's just a better way of banking. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Hour number two will kick it off from Los Angeles with Johnny Cogden. So keep it dialed in right here. Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC for the Gary Harris Show. Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Since 2011, Billy's Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good times. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. News in the NFL and potentially some good news for the Houston Texans. Their quarterback, C.J. Stroud, who's been in concussion protocol, he is expected to practice today. Coach D'Amico Ryan saying that he is definitely making progress. Elsewhere, the Bills activated corner Kair Elam off injured reserve. He's been dealing with an ankle injury. Bengals opened the practice window for corner Cam Taylor-Britt. In the NBA, the Pistons set a record by losing their 27th straight game on Tuesday, 118-112 to 112 against the Nets. It's the most consecutive losses in a single season. The record for consecutive losses over multiple seasons is 28. Grizzlies are now 4-0 since John Morant's return from suspension. They edged the Pelicans in overtime, 116-115. to 115. Morant scored 31. And the Thunder beat the top team in the West, the Timberwolves, 129-106. Now, this hour's West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. A fatal shooting occurred in the Greene County city of Utah on Christmas Day. Utah PD reports that a male died of wounds suffered around 6.45 p.m. Monday. The victim apparently knew the suspect. That suspect is in custody. The tasing of handcuffed Micah Washington in the Pickens County town of Reform has prompted State Senator Marika Coleman to file a bill that would prohibit officers from tasing anyone in restraints. And United Way of West Alabama is celebrating they surpassed their $4.5 million goal for 2023. Get 24 24- Seven local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice daily email newsletters. 
The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tide or Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama Sports, and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go, everybody. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 at Venice, 1230 AM WCBC. Gary Harris and Justin Jones back in the control room uh, doing all the heavy lifting for me and uh, helping me out this morning, as always. I want to tell you this hour of the Gary Harris Show brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, feet on the ground in West Alabama. I think that's important. If you need a personal injury attorney, and you need the best, and you need people that are going to be able to look you in the eye and be with you and meet with you in person. And if you do have to go to court, either Paul Patterson or Mike Comer will be in the courtroom with you. Paul is in Tuscaloosa. Mike is in Northport. And you can find out more at PattersonComerLawFirm.com. That's PattersonComer Attorneys at Law, PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. getting us in the mood because we're going out to beautiful southern california that's where johnny congdon is from abc 3340 he's in los angeles for the rose bowl game and want to really thank johnny because he flew in yesterday uh he and chris mccully he had a report on the 10 o'clock news last night and he's back up early this morning because it's only 8 a.m out there in la but he uh, was gracious enough to join us this morning on the program good morning johnny Hey, Gary, what's going on? Good morning from uh, California, where yeah, it's, the time change has certainly hit me. I was just in Boston a week ago, so I was on East Coast time, back to Alabama Central time, and now I'm basically hitting them all. I'm out here on the West Coast, but you sleep when you're dead, right? When you got weeks like this, you live for this stuff. Yeah, good thing you're young. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> it makes a difference. I used to be the same way. At 59, I don't have quite the same enthusiasm uh, for traveling that much. But, hey, is, well, first of all, let me ask you uh, – is the weather is it is it is it sunny and warm? It was it was it was sunny and relatively warm. I think people in Southern California basically had their ski coats on because it was uh, when we got in yesterday. It was probably mid sixties, which again, when you think of sunny Southern yeah, California, cool you them, think of yeah. seventy five and sunny and no humidity all year. So it's probably a little colder, but I'd probably say this is the seasonal average uh, from looking at the, the forecast all week. It, it's going to be excellent football weather. It's, shouldn't be a lot of rain for the most part and it's going to be in the mid to high 60s it'll dip into the high 50s uh, at night we went out we found an irish pub on the side of the road here in a downtown la so uh it was about you know 58 57 when we got back to the room and tried to get the closest to seven eight hours and uh, we're ready to go but no this is this is an exciting time we saw some of the alabama players uh walking around downtown los angeles getting dinner at chipotle and whatnot so there's not a ton of fans here for either Alabama or Michigan, but today, uh, especially with both teams arriving in Disneyland for the uh, arrival party, you're really starting to expect a, a buzz and a fervor around this game. Yeah, again, you mentioned the the big uh, the big kickoff party today at Disney. That's a big big deal with coaches and players. Harbaugh, uh, who's done very little media back in Ann Arbor and Saban and some of the players. Let me ask you about the media hotel uh, before we get back to the to the game itself. Uh, What's the setup like? Are you are you enjoying it? Because I think always when I make these trips, one of the highlights for me is always just uh, the media hotel, the way that they put these things together with the, the hospitality rooms and 
and all the things that they offer you and make it convenient for you. How is how is uh, which one? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Is it the Sheridan? Well, tell me about the Media Hotel. Yeah, we're, we're at the Sheridan, and um, they haven't opened up a lot of the media rooms next. I know if I went downstairs now, I'm still in my room right now. It's really starting to pick up. Uh, I know you see all the signage when you walk in. The hotel's absolutely gorgeous. Was able to do some work in the lobby last night. The rooms are big and spacious. So, Gary, I know no one really cares about us, but we, we are being exceptionally well taken care of. And uh, that media room, McCulley and I will get down there this afternoon. We have a live hit in just under an hour before we get on the road to Disneyland and start doing some stuff with the team out there on the happiest place on earth. I've been to Disney World. I've never been to Disneyland. But as far as the media hotel goes, uh, we're, we're spoiled rotten. We can't get much nicer than this. Yeah, and the hospitality room is always awesome, and the food that they serve is first rate. All right, let's get to today because, um, you know, as I said, Harbaugh did. I, I've, I've been looking, trying to get some some stuff from him out of Ann Arbor. He hardly did anything. I, I got a coordinator's press conference, uh, but he's done very little media. Coach Saban uh, didn't do a ton either. He did meet last Wednesday with reporters uh, following, you know, the signing day stuff, and he met with them on Monday, but uh, only one practice that Alabama sent video out from. We only had media availability of the players one time. So uh, the fact that they're going to be available this afternoon, plus you're going to have the, the media days coming up this weekend, uh, this is going to be more access than you've had to the players in a long, long time. Of course, that's because the schools can't control it. Uh, the, 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 you know, the Rose Bowl controls the media outlet, and like you said, the full media day coming up, which is awesome this weekend on Saturday when you get to interview anybody that you want. But just for today, I, I guess as a reporter – you're for, you're pretty hyped about not just to go to Disneyland, but to kind of get this thing off and running with some with some official uh, uh, media opportunities. Well, it's great, Gary, because we're going to have the opportunity to talk to freshmen. Which, if people don't know, Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide don't allow their freshmen to speak to the media in season. However, as you alluded to right there, they have no control over this. This is run by the bowl game. Everybody is made available. So right. the two names that I'm most looking forward to to talking to is Safety Caleb Downs and left tackle Caden Proctor, who both have had instrumental roles on this team. And I think, uh, especially in Proctor's case, I mean, second half of the Ole Miss game, maybe the Tennessee game has really changed the way he's played left tackle, has adjusted to SEC speed. And you've seen, obviously, the frame is enormous. You could see why he was a five-star coming out of Iowa. And I think the development, of course, with Jalen Milrow, who's turned a corner, no doubt about it. But part of the reason I think Milrow has been as successful as he has is because his big left tackle has caught up to the speed of SEC football and is playing some tremendous football. And then on the back end on defense, I mean, Caleb Downs, what can't the kid do? I mean, there are people that I've talked to that said if he if he was eligible to come out in the NFL draft, he'd be a late first-round draft pick this year at 18, 19 years old, whatever he is. So, I mean, he has been a joy to watch. He's, he's the prototypical Alabama safety that's smart, hits hard, can come up in the box and make a play, and basically like a glorified linebacker in the same, same sentence has – tremendous ball skills and can cover and pass coverage. So uh, he, he's been a revelation year all year for Alabama. So we're looking forward to talking to both of them. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's one of the highlights. And you're right on downs, man. What a, what a football player. All right. I know you just got out there yesterday and you've been working, you've been running around, you haven't, but just, just, just your vibe. Um, of course, you'll know a lot more, I, I think, as far as the way you feel about it once you get around players and coaches from both teams. But, um, you know, just, just where you're at right now in your mindset as far as Alabama and Michigan, how, how are you feeling about the game? Oh, I, I'm still confident Alabama's going to win this football game. And, I, again, I, I went on Big Dunes first last week with, uh, with Lars, and we, we were talking, Matt Coulter, and we were talking about how Alabama's still an underdog in this game. That being said, 
I mean, what does Michigan do best? That's run the football and dominate the trenches. And they've seen good Penn State team. They've seen a good Ohio State team. They've seen a physical Iowa team with a lot of offensive limitations. But they have not seen a physically dominant team like they're going to see in Alabama in the trenches. And I think just go back and watch the, the film from the SEC title game. I mean, how often do you see Georgia get physically manhandled up front? And that's what Alabama was able to do in the trenches. It was a true throwback Alabama game in every sense of the word made you think of some of the early years in the Saban dynasty. So I, I don't know if Michigan can handle what Alabama is going to throw at them from a physicality standpoint. And then they're going to make JJ McCarthy make some throws. And I, I do think he's more capable of a passer than maybe that conservative Harbaugh offense has allowed him to be, but he's going to have to be otherworldly and special if Michigan's going to win this game, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that uh, Alabama just needs to do what Alabama does, and I think they can win it. I will say this, and I want to get your your, your take. Uh, the one thing I will say about Michigan is I don't think they're going to beat themselves. I, I think Alabama will have to earn it. I, I don't think you, this is a team that you can count on getting rattled, that you can count on making mistakes. They're so sound. And defensively, now their numbers on the defensive side are off the charts, whether it's total defense, points allowed, which is phenomenal, a little bit under 10 points a game. Uh, they've scored a lot of defensive touchdowns. They turn you over. Uh, and offensively, they do want to establish the run. And I think the key is if Alabama can get up a couple of scores, maybe they can they can push this thing out a little bit. But I think Michigan will make you earn it. They're well coached. They're physical. They're disciplined. And they haven't shown the propensity at any time this year to give anything to anybody. Yeah, I, I, I believe it, it's going to be a low turnover game. I think something that Milrose done a fantastic job of, as of late is protect the football. And I got to give Tommy Reese a lot of credit for that by scaling back the playbook to an extent where they can just exentiate the things that Milrow does well and try to limit the things that he does not do well. And I think that the lack of turnovers has, has been directly pointed to that. But to your point on Michigan, I mean, this is this is a team who is the class of the Big Ten for a reason. I mean, granted, they have a lot of talent on that team. There's a reason they've been in the playoff two years in a row. But when you look what they've been able to do to Ohio State in the last two, three years with all the talent that Ohio State has, and I think if you go back and you look at the majority of those games, those were relatively buttoned up. So they're not afraid of the big stage. They're not afraid of a big team like Alabama. I, I just think it's ultimately Alabama's pure talent is going to win out this game. You know, I agree 100%. That's the same, that's the same thing I've said. I just think over four quarters, Alabama's talent. While Michigan's really talented, I, I think Alabama's still more talented, and I think, I think that'll be the difference. I, I do want to ask you about, though, the feeling. Uh, you know, I, I talked to some people in Ann Arbor last week. Um, I had uh, Reiner Saban on a couple of weeks ago who covers Michigan for Detroit Free Press after covering Alabama here for AL.com for a while. I do think the Michigan players and coaches do feel like this is their time, though. I, I think they feel like they've earned this opportunity, being in the playoff the last two years, getting whipped by Georgia a couple of years ago in the semifinal, and then getting you know shocked by TCU last year. Kind of like when Alabama and Saban got here. You know, they, they, they went 12-0 and in 08, Johnny, and then they, they ran up against Tebow, and they got beat in the fourth quarter against Florida. But the next year, they felt like, this you know, this is our time. And, and it was. I think Michigan does have that feeling of, hey, you know, we, we, we've been here a couple times now. This, this is our year. We came back for this. We're 13-0. and I, I think they feel a little bit like they're a team of destiny. Sure. I mean, ultimately – when you have a loss like that, like they did last year against TCU in a game where everyone believed they were going to win, and I, I was shocked how up and down that football game was, especially in the second half where it just felt like whoever had the ball last was going to win that football game. But there's a large contingent of that Michigan team that is back this year. 
And Blake mm-hmm. Corum, Gary, if he didn't get hurt at the end of last year, there's a good chance he wins the Heisman Trophy. I mean, he, he was on that upward trajectory. The way that they're able to run the football in chunks, I mean, that does wonders for not just the team, but especially that offensive line when you're starting to move people and you're doing it by running the football, and that inspires confidence. And say what you want about the cheating scandal and the sign stealing. I, I think there's not a ton to do with it, but that being said, that that is really fostered an attitude of an us-against-the-world mentality. Mm-hmm. Constantly, so many teams are trying to fabricate and uh, create uh, motivation, and here Michigan has one. People think that they're undefeated season is invalid and they think oh they cheated to beat x y and z and all they've done since those allegations have come out is just beat everyone down so i i think that's been a real rallying cry you were able to see when they had the interim head coach there how they were all emotional and and had his back and i i do believe in sports when when there is a singular force driving against you that's a great unifier and and michigan has certainly played up the michigan versus the world mantra that everyone loves to adopt but usually uh, there's a little the fraudulence in there, but Michigan has certainly has certainly adopted that that us against the world mentality, and they're going to need it, and they're going to need to play a, a brilliant four quarters of football if they're going to leave Pasadena with a victory. Yeah, you're really on point today. Uh, I think that's a that you're dead on on that too. And and I will say this, you know, Harbaugh comes across to me as a very peculiar guy, uh, kind of yeah. socially uh, inept, and and you know, just just a weird dude. But I think he's a heck of a football coach, Johnny. And I think the one thing that he has been able to do, whether it's been, you know, the sign stealing candle or now the later the, the notice of allegations, I think he's insulated his football team. I, I think that, and I'm not going to say he thrives on that, but as you alluded to, I think he loves it's us against the world, it's us against everybody. I think his team rallies around that. And someone called in earlier this week and asked me if I thought they would be impacted by this. I said absolutely not. I don't think they've been impacted by any of it. I, I think the players. No. Don't don't care what's coming down the road. I don't think they're worried about any what happened with sign stealing. I think they're focused on trying to win the national championship. And I give Jim Harbaugh Jim Harbaugh a lot of credit for that with his football team. Yep, absolutely. And Gary, we've said it time and time again. Jim Harbaugh is a strange cat, but everywhere he goes, he wins and he turns teams around. Rather if it was San Diego, rather if it was in Stanford. When he was able to get a generational quarterback in Andrew Luck, he went to the San Francisco 49ers and took an albeit talented team, but a team that was not thriving under Mike Singletary and took them all the way to the Super Bowl and could have won that Super Bowl. And who knows? There, there's been a rocky relationship between Saban and the Michigan Athletic Department. Remember, after one of those losses to Ohio State, they made him restructure his contract, which many close to him believe he was humiliated by that and took great offense to the fact that his alma mater would make him take a pay cut. It seems every single offseason he has a flirtation with the NFL. I know it was the Minnesota job a few years ago. I know this year, Chicago, the Bears is going to come up again. So uh, he reminds me in a lot of ways of Bill Parcells, just just a, uh, a magnanimous figure that comes in, is a winner, is a culture builder, rubs some people the wrong way, and his flame burns awfully fast, but ultimately leaves a place better than he found it. And will this be his final game in Michigan? I doubt it. I know they gave him an extension. But you know, Gary, these, these contracts and these extensions are about as worthless as the paper they're written on. They can be ripped up at any moment by any team that wants to throw a big bag of money at them. So I, I, I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he's done a great job of making Michigan relevant again. And think of it, Gary. I know we keep, you know, I got to pinch myself. Alabama, Michigan in the Rose Bowl and Pasadena to go to the national title. I, it really doesn't get much better than that. 
No, it doesn't. It's uh, it's outstanding. A game filled with history and tradition. Uh, Alabama's first appearance in the Rose Bowl uh, since 1946. I know they played in the BCS National Championship game. I was there against uh, Texas, and then they played in a Rose Bowl that was moved to Arlington, Texas, to do you know with all the the stuff going on with COVID and all that. But uh, this will be the first time in a Rose Bowl game for Alabama in a, in a long, long time, and they're playing. Uh, uh, a team that's history is tied to the Rose Bowl. It ought to be something special, Johnny. I know you'll be on the coverage uh, uh, all week long for, for ABC 3340. Awesome. Gary, have so much fun. Get ready for this one. It should be a great week and looking forward to a lot of fun. Thanks, Johnny. All right. Bye, Gary. All right. 1018 here on the Gary Harris Show. Great stuff from Johnny Cognon there. Really, really good report. And we'll go back out to Los Angeles to get Nick Kelly's perspective coming up here at, uh, at 1030. Also want to continue to remind you about the uh, – Autograph signing ceremony with Isaiah Bond coming up January 27th at T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. You can stop by the store there. We'll see Tom to get all the details. But uh, this is a, a special signing ceremony. Uh, when you've got the guy who uh, uh, is the hero from fourth and goal from the 31, the Grave Digger play, had a phenomenal season. I mean, he had an incredible season even before that play. But then he cemented himself. Um, in Alabama football history and lore with that catch uh, on that 31-yard pass from Jalen Milrow to beat Auburn uh, there at the end of the game in the Iron Bowl and put Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, well, they were in the SEC championship game anyway, but put them in there with a chance to beat Georgia to play for the college football playoff. And then he had another really good game <laughs> in the uh, college, uh, in the SEC championship game. You remember the catch there on fourth down in the second quarter. That led to a touchdown, and Alabama was able to beat Georgia, and Isaiah Bond has had a fantastic season. He will be an exclusive autograph signing at T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall coming up on January 27th, so make note of that. All right, it's 10-19. We're going to break away, and uh, when we come back, we're open for phone calls on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. Remember, Krispy Kreme, hot and fresh, anytime and uh we'll have nick kelly coming up at 10 30 the gary harris show rolls on on this wednesday stay with us tide 100.9 and local bank of tide 100.9 tuscaloosa weather partly sunny after some patchy fog today chance of a light shower overnight the daytime high near 56 tonight mostly cloudy with an overnight low near 31 and for your thursday a sunny start but clouds thicken during the day it'll be colder with a high of 44 I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 44 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. Let's jump, uh, as we come back in, let's jump right back out on the uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in Philip to the program. Hey, good morning, Philip. Good morning, Gary. Um, I hope you had a good Christmas, man, and I hope your mom, mom's better. Thank you. Uh, Gary, I, I just wanted to say uh, the bowls next year, there's, there's going to be 11 bowl games that are going to be very meaningful next year, starting with the four campus games, and then you've got 
uh, on the 31st and the 1st next year, you've got the Fiesta, Peach, Rose, and Sugar. And on January 9th and 10th, you've got the Orange and Cotton. And on the 17th, you've got the uh, the championship game, the, the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I think those, those campus games, I think maybe what some of the bowl uh, teams might might think about doing is being being so called uh, willing to travel. Like the armed force, the armed forces bowl could be on a campus. The quick lane bowl could be on a campus. Uh, that toastery bowl could be on a campus, and you know the big bad movers bowl, for instance, could be on a campus. So I think there's room for some of those bowl games to to do some negotiating right there. Uh, the other bowl games. I just wonder now if it's just maybe a, a good time to to finish them off. Yeah, I think you make a make good points. I think you know logistically and contract wise and all that, uh, you know, stuff would have to be worked out uh, for for making changes. But we're you know it's a very fluid situation right now with the fact that we're going into a twelve team playoff and uh, we've got so many questions as the in regards to how we're going to do everything in the postseason going forward. So maybe it is time to look at what you said, which is just moving some of these bowl games to campuses, even for the lower tier bowl games that aren't part of the playoff. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's something to look at. I think that's the only thing will save the name anyway. Um, and I don't know how good that will go over, but I think it's uh, better than what they're doing now because the bowls back when I was when I was growing up in you know 60s and 70s and 80s, it was kind of a. It was built around tourism, more or less, and chamber of commerce. It, it was, and it was also just built around um, excitement of getting to see some teams that maybe you, uh, uh, one. Because I'm with you, you know, we're similar in age, and I remember, and you do too, what we're talking about uh, in the '70s. Let's say, let's say, you know, I was I was 12 years old in 1976. Okay, I can remember being thrilled whether it was Mislu Network or Raycom or what, but, you know, these early year, uh, you know, bowl games, maybe it was a Tangerine Bowl or, you know what I'm talking about, and you might have NC State versus Houston. I don't, I'm just so, but you would be like, man, I can't wait because it was, it was college football on TV and it was a bowl game and it was excitement because we didn't get, you know, we didn't have college football um, all the time. You know, you got, you got one or two games a weekend in those days. And you didn't get to see a lot of these teams. So uh, not only were the bowl games built around tourism, the state of Florida and California, wherever they might be, but they also were just exciting because we didn't get to see a lot of college football. Remember, Philip? So the, absolutely. the ratings and people, you know, I didn't care who was playing, man. I remember looking at the bowl schedule when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. And I, I couldn't wait. I'd, lay, I'd, I'd write them down on a notebook. All right, we got this game coming on Wednesday night on – on this channel and you got, cause you know, you only had three or four channels and you know, I love those games and you're right. That kind of excitement is gone. So maybe this, as you said, maybe this would kind of put a little juice in them. Yeah. Well, like, like the Gator Bowl back when uh, Woody Hayes coached, uh, that was his, that was his last game. Yeah. Against Clemson. And he hit Charlie Ballman in the, <laughs> in the face and, and then, and, and uh, you know, left the black mark on his career. But yeah, it was, it was a thrill, man, to watch those bowl games. It was a thrill, but you're right now. I mean, there's so many of them, and and we see so much college football during the year. Let's just be honest. Some of these games that come on, uh, that came on this past weekend, I had an interest on Saturday because we had three bowl games in the state of Alabama. We had a bowl game in Mobile, a bowl game in Montgomery, and a bowl game in Birmingham. And we had a lot of Alabama teams featured. 
But uh, but some of these games, you know, I hadn't even given them a, you know, hardly given them time of day. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I haven't even watched one. And normally I'm watching them. But there's just, I think, the oversaturation and, and just the just the, the, the fact that they're not that important, except for those ballplayers' parents and their coaching staff and a few of the fans, is just not something that us sport fans are wanting to watch. But we did have some excitement after the, the game in Mobile when South Alabama was singing their alma mater and a kid from Eastern Michigan, uh, you know, cheap shot at the top from South Alabama. Wow, that was crazy. I haven't thought much about that. That, that, guy. that was nuts. Hey, great call, Philip. I got to hit the break, man. Yes, sir. See you. Thank you. All right, it's 1028, and uh, we'll take time out here. We'll come back and go back out to Los Angeles with Nick Kelly, Alabama beat writer for the Tuscaloosa News. That's coming up next on the Gary Harris Show. Tune in to Tom covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1031, we'll keep in with our SoCal theme as we're headed back out to the City of Angels for a conversation with Nick Kelly, Alabama beat writer for the Tuscaloosa News, already in Southern California. And uh, let's jump out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. Good morning, Nick. Good morning. How are you, Gary? Doing well. Just uh, give me uh, give me first impressions, just uh, getting out there. I think you got out there yesterday. And, of course, the, the kickoff event at Disney coming up this afternoon will be a big media opportunity. But just uh, – just your first uh, impressions of of uh, everything from the media hotel to the setup to uh, to the game. Just uh, kind of kind of what's the vibe? Yeah, it's it's uh, I think a great vibe. I'm excited to be out here and breakfast was good. <laughs> um, and uh, just kind of getting ready to get uh, get things rolling, get credentials, and and head out to Disney later for the, the opening press conference. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool to have your opening, your kickoff press conference out at out at, out at Disney, and and really from you as a reporter, it's just a it's a great opportunity to get some uh, get some content because I was talking earlier on my show about how little we we had one player opportunity last week and saving Monday and Wednesday, but that was it. Harbaugh's hardly done any media back in Ann Arbor, so uh, this is a chance for you just to, to get some to get some information and start getting it out to your to your readers. Yeah, no, it's it's the uh, kickoff for a reason, and uh, excited to to start talking to people and really because that's the thing when you're back in Tuscaloosa before the bowl games get underway, it kind of feels like it's bowl season, but now it really feels like it. You're here, you're talking to the guys, you're getting their feelings, how things are going. So it, it's uh, it's an exciting time. A lot of storylines for you, obviously. This the Rose Bowl, Alabama's history there. Uh, you know, kind of putting Southern football on the map. But the fact that they haven't played uh, in a true Rose Bowl at at uh, Rose Bowl Stadium since 1946. They played in the BCS National Championship game and then played in a Rose Bowl game that was moved to Arlington, Texas because of all the stuff that we've had going on in the world and with COVID and all the last few years. But this is Alabama going back to its roots. And, of course, Michigan, with its strong history with the Rose Bowl, makes it even more special, Nick, that you've got two iconic programs and brands flashing in the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day afternoon for a spot in the college football playoff national championship game. Yeah, I mean, does it get much better than – two blue bloods of college football playing in the bowl. I mean, really, I think you can say that pretty safely. I mean, this, this is you a can. bowl game for college football. And it, just even me telling people, yeah, there are people hearing the Alabama's and the Rose Bowl, just family back home in uh, Minnesota, just excited for me to have this chance to come out here. I mean, it's, everyone knows about it, uh, and so it's it's really 
exciting and uh yeah i'm 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 tickled <laughs> nick the the line continues to be you know michigan about a point and a half and the reason i think that's interesting is that it says it shows us that the money uh is coming in about evenly because if it was so much on alabama the line would start to swing it hasn't done that yet even though michigan's a slight favorite it doesn't feel like they're the favorite to me and even listen to their coordinators last week uh, it feels like Michigan's the underdog, and of course, I know that you'll you'll start really diving into this. But is that the way it feels to you that even though Michigan's a slight favorite, Alabama really feels like the team that most people feel like will win this game? Yeah, it's kind of strange because maybe it's because of the the people I talk to and the the places that I hang out. But to me, Alabama is the favorite going into this, and I think that. Michigan is going to have its hands full in a way that it hasn't had its hands full all season. That starts with Jalen Milrow. They have not seen a quarterback like Jalen Milrow. And now, of course, if Alabama doesn't play to the level it's shown it can play, then it could be a very interesting game and it could go easily Michigan's way. But, um, yeah, to me, if, if, if these two teams are playing 10 times, I'm taking Alabama more than Michigan. So I don't quite get that the line hasn't moved too much, but, uh, I mean, it is what it is. So is Milrow the, really the X factor in this game, in, in your opinion, the uniqueness of him as a quarterback? Is he is he the difference maker and uh, in, in, in the guy that's going to sway it toward Alabama? I think so. I mean, you could say that about most games, really, just because of the, the next level athlete he is and his talent and his leadership. Um, the offense goes, or tends to go out, he goes, granted, I say that, he didn't have his best game against Georgia. I mean, he did complete only like 50% of his passes. Uh, but I, he had some huge plays and some big moments. So um, I think that does make a difference. And and so I think that overall he is he is the X factor in most games they play in. And I think he will be in this game because, again, Michigan, I don't think has seen a quarterback like him, as most teams haven't, until they played Alabama. As you get to have an opportunity to be around Harbaugh a little bit and the Michigan players, and obviously I, I said this earlier on my show, Harbaugh is just a peculiar guy. I think, I think anybody that follows him, even from afar, can just see that he's, you know, he seems socially a little bit inept. And, you know, with the khakis and, and just the weird way that he goes about his business. But as a football coach, there's no questioning his resume. I mean, what he was able to do in the NFL, what he did at San Diego, at Stanford, uh, now at Michigan. Uh, and I think it's almost like he thrives on this controversy and he loves the we against the world mentality. And he's been able to create that underdog mentality with his team, even though they're 13 and 0, they won the big 10, they're ranked number one, but he seems like he does a great job of keeping that team focused and keeping them feeling like they're being counted out. Uh, am I onto something here in your opinion? Yeah, I think that the great coaches in this game are great motivators. Look at Nick Saban. Look at Kirby Smart. I mean, look at how he had Georgia buying into the fact they were underdogs last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the great coaches are, are great motivators, in my opinion, and I think he's up there. And, and, and Nick Saban and him will get to have a underdog off this week <laughs> in terms of motivating their teams. Um, but, no, I mean, the, the Harbaugh family, really, not just him, but, I mean, I, I – uh, as someone who's followed the Steelers closely, uh, my family's from Western Pennsylvania, has watched many games that John Harbaugh has coached in, uh, and he's a great coach. And so mm-hmm. um, he comes from a family that just knows how to coach, uh, a football family, a sports family. I mean, his brother-in-law is Tom Crean. Um, 
so it's uh yeah it's it's a pretty neat uh family they have in terms of uh just sports <laughs> overall and experience but um no i think that he's got Michigan in a good spot. The fact that all the distractions they've had has not led to any losses, has not gotten in their way. It's pretty remarkable. Um, however you feel about Michigan and what, how things have gone on this season, you can't deny that they've tuned out that outside noise. So, Yeah, they, they have uh, remarkably well. And there's a feeling I talked to, to Reiner Saban a couple of weeks ago. I've talked to other couple of people up there in, in Ann Arbor and uh, for that, team, those players, those coaches, they feel like this really is their time. Um, they feel like, a lot like Alabama did in 2009 under Saban, they feel like, hey, we got into the playoffs the last couple of years, but we didn't, you know, get it done. But we feel like now everything that we've done at this point has led us to where we're at. And I think they feel like they're a team of destiny, Nick. It seems to be. I mean, the other element, too, is they don't know how long they necessarily have Harbaugh for. That's right. I'm not, I don't have any intel on that, but just you, you hear the people who do know that kind of thing just talk about, uh, I mean, his name has been part of NFL conversations for a year or so now, and, and it is again this year. And and also, I mean, frankly, just you look at all the things that they've got mounting with NCAA stuff, uh, you probably couldn't blame him for wanting to go to the NFL. And he had success there. He's a very good coach in the NFL at the 49ers. Um, so, it's uh, it, this could be their last chance with Harbaugh too. So um, yeah, I think there is a little element of urgency there, and and this might be their best chance. And uh, so it's, I mean, I don't know about you, Gary, but I'm I'm really excited for this game on on Monday. You know, uh, one more thing about Harbaugh, because again, whether you go all the way back to when he was at uh, um, University of San Diego, Stanford, 49ers, Michigan, I've talked to people who covered him, and they will tell you that because I think there's some people that feel like this is just a persona that he developed when he got to Michigan, but they will tell you he's, he's been that way everywhere. He's coached a great detail oriented guy focused on, on his team, but yet a little bit peculiar. He's just, he just seems to be quirky. Nick, is that, is that fair? I mean, I haven't spent time around him, but the way I always look at it is to be successful in football as a coach, you gotta be different. Like you can't right. be just run of the mill. I mean, Nick Saban is different. Like he, he is. he's a different type of human being. Like most people are not like Nick Saban. And I don't say that in negative or positive. It's just like, he's different and you have to be different to be successful. I mean, that's the, to be uh, extra extraordinary, you have to be different by definition. Um, and, and so I think that, I mean, to me, that's what, the personalities of college football and different coaches. I mean, that's what makes the sport fun. Um, so I, I enjoy differences and, and things where, uh, guys have different personalities. Now to Alabama, uh, and, and I'll let you go here in a couple of minutes, but you cover this team since preseason practices, every game, watching them evolve, watching Saban coach this team, watching Saban coach these coaches, and getting them to where they're at now. Uh, and I know you haven't been here for all of his teams, but just since you've been here watching him work, uh, you know, just your thoughts on what he was able to do this season with this team. I mean, you can really make the argument this is his best coaching job. And obviously the season's not over. We don't know how it's going to end. But, I mean, where they were back in September to now is remarkable. I mean, it really is. Uh, and, and to think about how he kept them focused, how he motivated them, how he got this team to buy in and keep pushing and let all the naysayers know. <laughs> uh, I mean, it really is It is pretty remarkable. And, and and I think that because of this era that we're in with the transfer portal and NIL, 
it's not as easy to have all this insane depth and to build to have great roster management. Um, so the fact that he's done what he's done with this group, like there's talented guys in this team, no doubt, but they don't have the 2020 roster where you have just top NFL draft picks up and down the lineup. I mean, this is a group that has a lot of talented elite guys, but it's not maybe quite that level of some of his teams have been. So the fact that he's able to do what he's done and beat Georgia who hadn't lost in, what was it? 29 games. Uh, I mean, it really is pretty remarkable. It's season not over. So, you know, wait, I'll wait until we have the full body of work to, to judge this season, but it has to be up there with one of his best, if not the best coaching job he's done in Alabama. Nuts and bolts on the field in the game. And obviously we already talked about uh, Milrow and JJ McCarthy, the Michigan quarterback. He can use his legs. And, and we know Blake Corum is a terrific downhill running back red zone. They want to run the ball. They want to play action off of it. Uh, they want to, I think, control the clock and, 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 they're a much better team than Auburn, Nick, but I think they probably want to play a little bit like Auburn did. They want to keep, you know, either have the lead or, or, or be within striking distance and be able to kind of dictate the tempo, shorten the game in terms of Alabama's number of possessions. But um, just on the field, uh, the matchups, what, you know, what do you think are some keys uh, for Alabama in this game to have success against Michigan? Yeah, you mentioned Blake Corum, um, obviously a really successful running back. To me, though, he's not as much a speed guy as he is just a, a size, physical kind of guy. Uh, so I think being physical is really key for the linebackers for that group. Um, and really just the, the downhill tackling, don't miss tackles. Uh, and then making sure on the running game, uh, I think it's going to go a long way toward beating this team. I mean, McCarthy's got some talent. They've got some things he can do. But I think, yeah, you, you slow down the running game, you're going to go a long way in doing that. So I think that's important. I think a pass rush against that offensive line is going to be key. Um and then on the other side of the ball, I think uh, making sure that you don't make mistakes and you can keep just going forward and, and you can uh, make good decisions and, and Jalen Miller will play the point guard element. And, and so I'm, I mean, cause this, this Michigan defense is really good. I mean, they're the number one scoring defense in the country. That's uh, right. I checked. And so, um, no, I think that you got to stick with uh, what's worked for you um, and make sure and just be creative. I mean, with Tommy Reese, uh, he's shown some wrinkles and some things that have really worked well. And I think just continue that um, and, and be willing to be physical. I mean, the big 10 plays a physical style of football and Michigan's at the top of that. And so I think you got to bring your hard hat uh, to uh, borrow a term from the basketball program, <laughs> play some blue car football. And I think that's <laughs> a long way uh, against this Michigan team. Well, you got a busy week ahead and I know uh, you'll be working nonstop. Just, uh, enlighten the listeners on, you know, where they can track you at and, and uh, get all your information. Yeah. Myself and uh, Chase Goodbread, our talented columnist will be at everything and here all week. And we'll, you can check out our work at the and follow me on Twitter at underscore Nick Kelly. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me, Gary. Have a good one. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. 1045 here on the Gary Harris show. And uh, we got one final segment coming up and we are wide open. If you want to give us a call on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, 205-342-9904. We'll get ready at 11 o'clock and turn it over to the Miller's Edge. Gary Harris Show will continue right after this. Catch Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. Coming up tomorrow on the Miller's Edge, it is game week. It's Rose Bowl. It's Bama, Michigan. And we're here for it. Christian and I will talk about it. We'll break it down. We'll look at some key matchups in this ballgame. Plus... We'd love to hear from you. 205-342-9904. That's the number for the program. Let's break it down together. It's the Village Edge. We're on the tie. 100.
or not. Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. Yeah. Hey, so Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly sunny after some patchy fog today. Chance for light shower overnight. The daytime high near 56. Tonight, mostly cloudy with an overnight low near 31. And for your Thursday, a sunny start. The clouds thicken during the day. It'll be colder with a high of 44. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 44 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1049, we're counting it down here. we got a few more minutes, though. If you want to give us a ring on the First Domain, our first, uh, first Domain Condominiums hotline is correct for the first hour. Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline is correct for the second hour. Either way, two great sponsors, 205-342-9904, if you want to get through here on the program in the last few minutes. Gary Harris, Justin Jones with you. Good interview there with Nick Kelly. Uh, Justin, um, obviously talking to Johnny and Nick that are out there. And, you know, I uh, I was not disappointed that, I'm not going because I, I want to stay here, um, you know, close to home with, with, you know, my mom's situation. We're going to have to move her on Friday, and, and I want to be there for that, uh, move her to a different facility. And so I did not want to go to Los Angeles. I wanted to go, but I didn't want to go because of the timing. But now talking to them out there and having covered so many of these, uh, whether it be BCS games, college football playoff games, it kind of just feels normal for Alabama to be there. And, and I gotta be honest with you, Justin, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss being out there. I will, I will tell you that I'm, I'm not going for the right reasons, but I'm going to miss being out there. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I don't have the experience of uh, traveling and covering the team like you do, but the Rose bowl is, man, that's a bucket list place to go and visit and go and watch the, uh, the parade in the game. It really is. Uh, having covered the BCS national championship game out there and, uh, you you hear about the Rose Bowl, you read about it, you see it on TV your entire life, and then when you're out there, it is a surreal moment. I'm not going to be a lot to you. January 2010, when I walked down on that sideline before the game, and I looked up at the press box, and I was down there on the field, and and it was uh you know it was one of those moments where you really got chill bumps, and even during the entire game when I was back up in the press box, just watching. Uh, and, and observing and, and, you know, just uh, and then seeing Alabama win the national championship there, it was a, it was a phenomenal experience. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I hate I'm going to miss it uh, this year, but I will be going to Houston. If Alabama is fortunate enough to beat Michigan in the, uh, in the Rose Bowl, that would be a much shorter trip because this, this is the bowl trip. You know, this is why they went out yesterday, Justin, to put this in context for some people. Uh, that's why there are so many media availabilities this week. Uh, there's so many functions that they're going. Both teams are going to be at and and required to do, and that's why, as a reporter, it's also an awesome opportunity because that media day they have for both teams uh, for one hour, you can interview anybody you want, Justin. You can interview freshmen, you can interview assistant coaches, you can get access to people that you never get access to because of the fact that the Rose Bowl dictates that it's part of the agreement you have to play in the game. So save it, or nobody else can stop you. You know, if Caleb Downs is down on that field and you want to interview him, you can interview him. If Caden Proctor is down on that field and you want to interview him, you can interview him. Same thing with with um, Justice Haynes or any of those freshmen. 
or, you know, any assistant coach that you never get to talk to, um, not just the coordinators, but any of those coaches, you know, T-Rob, uh, you can you can grab them. So it's a great aspect of coverage for the media to get access that they don't normally get. But it's a whole week-long series of events, you know, beginning with the Disney kickoff this afternoon and all the way through all the different media functions and press conferences. And then next week, uh, once the two teams that win the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl advance to Houston, it's totally different. Totally different, Justin. Uh, they don't even fly in until Friday. It's, it's, it's a work deal. There is a, there is a couple of, um, you know, there's a coach's press conference, but for the most part, it is, it is different than the, the bowl games. You get in on Friday, they play, they're the weekend, and then they play the game on Monday night. And so it's not nearly as media friendly as the college football playoff semifinal games are. Now it's still, it's the biggest game of the year. You know, obviously once you get to the national championship game, but just from a media standpoint, uh, it is going to be a little bit different, but you have to win your way there. And the reason they do it the way they do it with the semifinal games being the, the bowl games is so that you have that bowl experience. And if you lose, cause if you lose in the cotton bowl or pardon me in the sugar bowl or the, uh, Rose Bowl, your season's done. So you don't get to go on to the national championship game. So they want to make sure that all four of those teams get the bowl game experience. And they'll do it in New Orleans, and they're doing it in Los Angeles and Pasadena. And then the national championship game in Houston, as I said, it's just more business. It's, it's, you know, it's get down here, get here, get ready, and play the game. And that's, uh, that's kind of the difference in, in the two trips. So, But for those guys and, and, and ladies that are out there covering the game in Los Angeles, in Southern California, what a thrill. You know, what a thrill to, to be there all week and to um, get to cover that game. So, And we do have somebody out there. Ron Fowler is out there, of course. Uh, he'll be live every day this week with uh, with the game. And uh, 2 two until 6. And I've got a couple people out there on the TV side. So we're going to be having coverage on WVUA 23 as well. So it's going to be a fun week. Um, and, and then, of course, Monday uh, for the game, that's when uh, – that's when Alabama will try to make it happen. You know, that's when they're going to try to uh, uh, get down to business and and get that win and uh, make a move to Houston and try to win another national championship. So it should be should be fun. We'll have great coverage here the rest of the week. In fact, uh, tomorrow I'm loaded. Uh, I'll be back in studio, and I'll have Ellis Johnson is going to join us to, for the bowl games, uh, the coach, and also Bart Heights on hoops, who we normally have on Wednesday, but we're going to have him tomorrow. We're going to have, um, gosh, who else do we have? Uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter with the Falcons report, Jess Spiegel. So tomorrow will be a jam-packed show here on Tide 100.9 and uh, 1230 AM WTBC on the Gary Here Show. Also want to remind you, download the app, the Tide 109 app. It's just everybody that I've talked to that's downloaded it just love it. It is a phenomenal way to keep up with all your great shows and all the great programming on Tide. And also, of course, you can uh, – Visit the podcast center at Tide109.com. We're also available where anywhere you get your podcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. So um, as, as I've said before, this is a unique station. This is a unique station. There aren't many sports talk stations in the country that are live and local from 6 a.m. 6 a.m. in the morning all right on through 6 o'clock in the evening. And there are very few. Tide 100.9 is one. might be the only one, in fact. Most of these sports talk stations, they have national programming uh, built into their daily schedule. Not here at Tide. We're all local all day. All right, that's going to do it for the program. Uh, Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law, brought to you this hour. 
And I want to thank Justin for uh, his work back there in the control room. The Miller's Edge with uh, Corey Miller and Christian Miller coming up next uh, from 11 a.m. until noon. Then it's Big Noon Sports with Matt and Lars from noon until 2. And then, as I said, Ryan Fowler live in Los Angeles from 2 until 6 with the game. We'll talk to you again in the morning. Everybody catch me on local TV tonight. We do sports on WVUA 23. Have a great day, and uh, talk to you again in the morning with a jam-packed show at 9 a.m. Listening to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. You know! Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.